Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, August 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The ruble took a tumble, and there is a battle in Washington over whether to give green tax subsidies to ethanol. Plus, demand for minerals critical to green technology is surging. The FT's Harry Demsey tells us about the countries where they're being mined. And that has governments thinking, wow, you know, we need to really ensure we secure our fair share of this deal. I'm Sonia Hudson, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The ruble has hit a 16-month low. Russia's currency has lost a quarter of its value this year. That's thanks to a surge in military spending, a drop in exports, and, of course, Western sanctions. Plus, the country's central bank has been aggressively cutting interest rates. There is a glimmer of hope for Moscow, though. Oil and gas revenues started to rebound in July. Airlines and farmers are joining forces in the U.S. They want corn-based ethanol to power airplanes instead of jet fuel. So the groups are lobbying the federal government to make ethanol qualify for green tax breaks under the Inflation Reduction Act. But they're going up against environmentalists who say ethanol isn't actually that green. Joining me to talk about this is the FT's Chicago correspondent, Claire Bushy. She covers the airline industry. Hi, Claire. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So why is the airline industry so interested in ethanol? I mean, they are interested in lots of types of alternative fuels, but we can't overstate how tiny and nascent the market for sustainable aviation fuel actually is. And so the airlines say that, you know, there is an established ethanol industry And so that this is a more viable potential fuel than making fuel from other types of feedstocks like used cooking oil or animal fats. What about the farmers? So farmers have been feeding into the gasoline market since about... 2007, when the renewable fuel standard established that 10% of what you pump at the gas station is going to be ethanol. And the problem is, as the automotive market transitions ever so slowly to electric vehicles, you don't need gas. And that's why farmers need somewhere new to sell ethanol. So there's another player here, which is environmental groups. Why are they against ethanol getting these tax breaks? So this is where it gets tricky. There are questions about how much ethanol reduces emissions. Because if you, like, say, rip up some trees, which are sucking carbon out of the atmosphere, so that you can plant crops, that is going to make your emissions profile look worse. So you can contrast that with some of the second-generation sustainable fuels that are made from waste products, where they're reducing emissions by a lot more 
However, those are not at scale. Ethanol has been at scale for a while. And what environmentalists are worried about is if you give ethanol tax credits, we'll never get to the point where we have newer fuels developed at industrial scale because why would you do that if you're already making money selling ethanol? Well, what do the airlines make of that argument? So no one is arguing, including the airlines, that like ethanol reduces emissions as much as these newer sustainable aviation fuels. What they are saying is the fuels that are available to us today will not be as good as the fuels available to us in 20 years. Doesn't mean we should wait 20 years for the perfect fuel. Claire Bushy is the FT's Chicago correspondent. She covers the airline industry. Thanks, Claire. Thank you so much. Experts say that materials like copper, lithium, and nickel are going to be vital for a green economy. That demand is good news for countries like Indonesia, Chile, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. They all have large deposits of minerals that are used in electric batteries and solar panels. And they want to make sure they can cash in on that. Here to talk more about this is the FT's commodities correspondent, Harry Dempsey. Hey, Harry. Hey there. How are these resource-rich countries handling the demand? Well, demand for minerals like lithium is going to triple uh, by 2030. And that has governments thinking, wow, you know, we need to really ensure we secure our fair share of this deal when mining companies come in and they extract the resources. And we don't just want those resources to go to the West, go to China. And so a lot of those countries are demanding that when there is inbound investment, that there is the processing of those minerals. And then even more, they're demanding that there is things like battery plants built in that country. And Indonesia has been the poster boy for this kind of demands put on inbound investors, and they've banned uh, raw nickel exports, which has helped them to build the processing industry and eventually attract even more investment in battery plants for electric cars. So Harry, what's been the impact on local economies in Chile, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Indonesia? I think the, the picture really varies depending on where you look. Somewhere like Chile, It has completely transformed the economy there off the back of copper. And now they have lithium, which is also powering the country ahead. So, for example, they had their first surplus in their government accounts for about a decade, thanks to lithium. But in places like the DRC, it's not as clear cut. People are a lot more cautious because of the country's reputation around things like child labor, human rights, conflict out there. For somewhere like Indonesia, it really does look like that is going to transform the country Um, and bring a whole host of different manufacturing industries on board, which will provide prosperity for a lot of people. You know, there have been scrambles for natural resources in the past. Um, What's making this rush for battery minerals different from what we've seen in the past? I think one of the things that makes it different is the speed at which it's happening. I mean, we've got these goals set by governments. For example, in Europe, they want to phase out um, combustion engine vehicles that use petrol or diesel by 2035. And the thing that will replace them is electric cars. And so we need to do in 10 years what we did with the oil industry in 150. And because of that, there is potentially massive leverage for um, the resource producing nations. But I think on the flip side, one thing that I 
you'd want to consider with this is, well, the battery metals themselves, they aren't inflationary in the same way that oil and gas is. And therefore, that does make me question sort of to what degree will they hold geopolitical power in the same way that somebody like Saudi Arabia does. Harry Dempsey is a commodities correspondent for the FT. Thanks, Harry. Thanks. You can read more on all these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.